Hey Star Wars fans and Rule of the Galaxy fans, this is Joe. We're going to give you a special episode today. This is from our trip to the ICC Con in Tennessee last week. I had the pleasure of being asked to be a part of a panel who was interviewing uh, Ian McDermott, the em Emperor in um, the original Star Wars movies, the prequels, and now the sequels. So um, I was a guest of the ECPC TV crew, and they asked me to come on board. I asked a few questions, but they were kind enough to give me the feedback and the, the audio and the video from this. So we're going to post this, but I wanted you to know that it wouldn't be a regular Rule of the Galaxy show. It would be um, an ICC Con and ECPC TV interview where I was lucky enough to be a part of it. Meeting the Emperor was great. Uh, my heart was beating in my chest uh, as I was asked a few minutes before the episode. So just wanted you to know this is a special episode. Hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back with regular shows very soon. Thanks. May the force be with you. We are live on the ICC podcast stage. We'd like to welcome to the stage the Emperor himself, Ian McDermott. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast stage today. It's my evil pleasure. Yes. <laughs> so, you joined us last year. Have you been enjoying yourself this year compared to last, like the, the difference of the, yeah. uh, the venue? Well, I just I wanted to come back to Nashville. I just like it here. You know, I like the atmosphere, I like the people. And uh, I've only been here for about 24 hours, and I'm severely jet-lagged. <laughs> so if I'm making even less sense than usual, you'll, you'll understand. That's but, how we make a living. All oh, right, all oh, right. Making less sense? <laughs> making less is sense. It, this is the Making Less Sense show. Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, I feel entirely comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> making less sense. Making less sense? Very. Yes. yes. So, yeah, it's great to be back. So uh, let, let's jump right in, because you're in the, you, you have a Star Wars following here. Um, there's no question that hasn't been asked to you, I'm sure. But with my biggest question would be, how did you come up with the voice of the Lord of the Sith? Yeah, well, I saw the face is the answer to that. And I, it all happened very gradually 40 years ago. It's the 40th anniversary, as you know, of Return of the Jedi, when I was just a kid of 37. And when I got the part, um, I had no idea who the emperor was. And I was surprised that you know, I was being asked to play an emperor. And then we had the first makeup day. 
and uh, it took five hours, and you know, you, you saw the result, and I saw the result, and I looked in the mirror, and I screamed. <laughs> <laughs> and then after I controlled myself, I thought, well, uh, there should be a voice that matches this horrible yeah. toad <laughs> somewhere. So I sort of went down into my throat a little bit. And also, I, there was a Japanese actor who I'd seen play um, a woman, interestingly enough, in the great Japanese tradition of travesty, Medea, great Greek play, and he'd used the voice as this character, which seemed to come from his stomach yeah. rather than his chest, which is where on stage most of our voices try to come from, the, not the throat, because then you can lose it quickly. And, and I thought, well, if I can sort of get a feel of that, that might suit this horrible toad that I've just seen in the mirror. <laughs> So I, I did you know, a lot of that, um, you know, stuff. Um, and nobody said, don't. <laughs> <laughs> and George didn't say, stop. So I thought, oh, this is probably going quite well. Nobody said, hey, great boys, how did you do it? Like you guys are saying today. But I, and then later on filming, once I you know, got relaxed a bit more, more used to it, and they got used to me, uh, Richard Marquand, the director, said, I'm going to give you a tape of Clive Revel's voice, who was the voice of the emperor, everybody knows, mm -hmm. in uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And, uh, and I was a bit thrown. I thought, well, but I've, I've got my own voice now. Didn't you, don't you think that's appropriate? And uh, Richard looked sort of quizzically at me for a moment. And then said, okay. So I just kept on doing the voice. Yeah. And, uh, and then later on when the film was complete and we were revoicing the film, because mm -hmm. in those days you had to practically revoice everything because the sound wasn't as good as it is now. Various tracks couldn't be separated. So you'd, there'd be studio noises that had to be got rid of. So you'd have to do your part again and lip sync. So I continued to do the voice, and this time I was in the presence of George Lucas, naturally, but also his friend Steven Spielberg, and his producer friend, Kathleen Kennedy, as it mm. happened, who I met for the first time. And they were sitting there as I was doing the voice, and the first thing Steven said was, oh my God, you're so evil. <laughs> <laughs> and I reckon it was that moment George thought, oh yeah, okay, we'll keep it then. And uh, that's probably, uh, this is all problematic. We never had a discussion, but I did the whole film and then we went out to lunch and they, they, um, they paid for it. So I guess they thought it was. <laughs> that's so, the history. So first of all, it's an honor. Thank you for being here with us today. And um, did you find yourself enjoying more playing the emperor once he's deformed and, and all the decrepit looks about him? Or did you enjoy more Senator Palpatine and Chancellor Palpatine where you got to be more political and more mischievous behind the scenes? Yeah. Well, of course, I couldn't wait for him to be deformed, and you know, <laughs> as, you, as you put it, hideous, uh, because that was how I first encountered him, mm -hmm. as we've just been talking about. But then, you know, many years later, George said, you know, I met him again very briefly in a hotel. Do you know anyone who wants to play an emperor? And uh, naturally, it was me. And then he told me about this other guy. He said, well, the, you know, Palpatine obviously had a history. And he starts really as a typical politician. He didn't sort of make any pejorative remarks about Palpatine. He said, and actually, he's doing his best for the queen, for Padme, you know, and she trusts him. And he's very a force in the Senate and much respected. And I thought, this gets more and more interesting. And then he turns into that terrible creature I played all those years ago. Uh, and then he said, oh, but there's this other guy. I didn't say the name. 
uh, who's working, <laughs> working behind the scenes all the time. And I thought, oh, that sounds a more interesting part than just being boring old politician. <laughs> Little did I know it was the same person. Until the first day, virtually, of, of the shoot, when I saw my name opposite a character called Darth Sidious, as well as Senator Palpatine, and I know they don't make that kind of mistakes and call sheets. <laughs> so I put two and two together, or rather one and one together, and made that too. But then as it, the film went on, it was great playing Palpatine, as George had said, just like a, you know, an ordinary guy, perfectly sweet, a bit boring maybe, uh, <laughs> but had no, no evil intent. He just wanted to do a good job for the country. And uh, of course, that was, that's a work of genius, really. That to turn such a person who appeared likable and sincere and hardworking into the greatest monster that ever lived. Yes. <laughs> very, very evil. You've done yeah. some, um, some stage, some stage, of stage, lots of stage work. Did you bring a lot of that with you when you were casted as the emperor? I, I don't think so. You, you have to be careful to. And if you're playing a part, you know, as vivid, and as extreme as the emperor, it's very easy to go too far in the movies. On stage, you can sort of let rip a bit more often. And on the odd take, I let rip, you know. And people quite liked it. And then they said, now you'd maybe like to try one a little quieter. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so I did. But in the movies, of course, the camera is there, you know, recording your thoughts, listening to your thoughts. Um, and in the theater, you're projecting your thoughts. So that's the big difference. Uh, people say, which do you prefer? And of course, I'm not knocking the stuff I've done in movies, which has been great, and I've been privileged to do it. But the thing about the theater is, there's an audience every night, they're different, therefore you're different, and it's in the moment. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like it. your first love? Yeah, yeah, and that was, when I fell into acting, uh, that was, I thought that's all acting was for me, which is about standing up and, uh, having this thing happen to you in front of a lot of people and with any luck connecting with them. Do you think, um, how would you say the biggest difference was when you were fil filming Return of the Jedi, which was in the 80s, mm. versus coming all the way down to Phantom Menace, the way they filmed the Star Wars movies? You were a part of, you know, Lucas's original, and now you're a part yeah. of his new ongoing. Yeah. What was the biggest difference you saw? Well, I was part of the history of of George's advances in technology, you know, Lucasfilm's mm. extraordinary achievement. And the reason it took perhaps longer than we might have expected for the prequels to emerge, George was waiting for the technology to catch up with his vision, mm -hmm. which was really what happened in the beginning, you know. And all of the people whom he trusted, empowered and inspired to go further than they ever thought it was possible to do. So it, I felt I was, I was also part of a scientific movement. Um, and early on I was, you know, it's ironic that I was younger when I had to be older and then, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I could sort of play my own age with a bit of hair help. Thank you, Wig <laughs> Department, <laughs> Senator, Senator Palpatine. So it's been an extraordinary progression. And then, of course, I sense perhaps you're getting on to it. it. It happened again when I was supposed to be dead. And, yes. uh, and I had the great resurrectionary phone call from J.J. Abraham, yeah. <laughs> who told me I wasn't dead. But only if you, know, only if you want to, Ian. <laughs> 
So I said, yeah, yeah, I, I really want yeah. to. So um, that happened. And, uh, and a lot of people, I'm going on a bit, but so, you know, said it's ridiculous. He was obviously killed, you know, when he was chucked down that shaft by Vader. It was a terrible scream. You know, it wasn't, well, he didn't bounce on a rubber mat. And, uh, <laughs> although I did actually, no, not quite. Uh, the thing about, I keep interrupting myself, but to, to, to give the impression or to see in the movie me going down, I have to be hoisted up and then the film's reversed. So that was even more ironic, you know. And when I was hoisted up several times, all uh, the great late Dave Prowse had to do was catch my feet. He didn't manage. <laughs> and I, I don't blame him because, you know, he was in that mask and, you know, he couldn't see a damn thing. <laughs> but so I was circling the studio for a, quite a long time. But my point about the Emperor still being alive when people criticized him for not being dead was that he would have a plan B and probably a plan C and mm -hmm. D and E and et cetera, et cetera. And he would have the best scientists, who were rather small people, if you remember, but nothing wrong with that, uh, who would be working out how to save his life or uh, recreate it in some other form. And the great irony about that film, too, it's full of terrific ideas, mainly JJ's at that stage, um, is that while, while he was trying to get some of his strength back, while he was in intensive care, if you like, mm. he was also scheming about the people who would take his place, but not really Snoke being the main one. And to find out that, again, uh, via JJ and Chris, who was the, his co-writer on the piece, that I had created Snoke, you know, my good pal Andy Serkis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I'd, I'd done lots of Andys, and then a really good Andy came up, and he became Snoke. And, uh, but then he was only there as a figurehead, so that later on, when I'd fully recovered, I could resume my rightful position as the worst person ever to be created. So all of that was wonderful. A little, another digression, and I will let you ask a question in a minute, I promise. No, keep going. No, We're, no, no, no. I'm, They're I'm not here to hear us. <laughs> yeah. A, gra a, great, a great friend of mine who was with me in Nashville uh, last year couldn't be, couldn't be here today, sadly. Um, we were watching different parts of the world. He was watching the coronation. And he said, uh, did you see that moment when Chris, uh, King Charles was given that gold uh, garment? Well, he's Snoke. Yeah, <laughs> we saw lots of memes about that. So there you are. So I, I, I created him too, and uh, but he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, I actually had one question I wanted to ask you. Um, at the Star Wars celebration, where they revealed the the Rise of Skywalker trailer, yeah. and you got to walk out. Yeah. How was that moment for you, seeing the fans lose it? when you got to say, you know, roll it again. It was extraordinary, and it was JJ or Kathleen's or both their idea that I should do that. And I was a bit miffed to begin with, because we'd managed to keep the secret, you know, and they were amazed that we'd kept it that long, that I was coming back, that I was going to be reincarnated. Um, and so we're going to show this, the short teaser trailer, and your laugh will be there at the end of it, and then if you could just walk on stage after the laugh, we'll see what happens. Well, you just describe what happened. It was extraordinary. And, uh, you know, I had the immortal line, you know, roll it again, in his <laughs> voice. That was, I think, JJ wrote that. And um, I had to make sure I stood in exactly the right spot in, in relation to the, the screen. So these things were all in my mind. And then the audience just, well, as you say, they just wouldn't stop um, reacting. So that was welcome back, really. 
uh, before the meme started and so on. And the other great thing about it, apart from obviously Adam and Daisy, nobody else in the film uh, knew it was me. And Anthony Daniels, I said, you didn't know it was me, Anthony? He said, well, I knew it was some terrible, evil person. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be you again. <laughs> and uh, so there, there I was exposed almost, you know, before the, the real trailer came out. So two questions real quick. I don't know how much time we have left. But one, I truly enjoyed Anthony Daniels' book. And I, I listened to the audio yeah, book of that. One, would you ever consider doing an audiobook of your history of how you've gone through all the Star Wars like this? No. Ironically, as I sit here talking to you now and never letting you get a question in, I don't want to talk about myself in print. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the second question I have, and if it's okay, I'll throw a monkey wrench into the Star Wars talk. <clears throat> Two movies that you were in that I really, really loved. Sleepy Hollow, yeah. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yes. Yeah. Do you have any great memories from either one of those films? Because they were great, and you played great yeah. roles, have, well, especially in Sleepy Hollow. Have you got a couple of hours? Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that, they were great fun. They couldn't be more different. And of course, uh, in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, I was directed by Yoda, <laughs> by Frank you know, Oz. the great Frank Oz himself, um, which was, and it was a, a, a sort of last minute thing. Um, Arthur, the name of the character was, uh, and I, I met, and I hadn't met him before, Frag in a hotel, and he said, I'm sorry to drag you in, I just want to do a bit of improvising, because you're going to be working with Michael Caine and Steve Martin, you mm -hmm. know, considerable figures. He sort of implied, and he hoped you might be able to keep up. So anyway, we <laughs> improvised. He didn't say that, much too polite, Frag. Um, and anyway, I got the part, and we went out there, and we had a great time. And um, Steve, oh, <laughs> Early on, I think he, because he, we hadn't met, uh, I'd met Michael, because uh, they'd been busy filming. And to begin with, I think Steve thought I was the Times correspondent who'd come to interview because <laughs> that was on his slate for the day. So we got off to a very sort of hysterical start. Oh, no, of course you're an actor. And um, it was great fun. And uh, those two together were just uh, incompatible. Sleepy Hollow was even more fun because all of those British actors, I, we all knew each other very well. And we found it very hard to keep a straight face. <laughs> Johnny was no help. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it was great. Um, and, you know, it's a wonderful performance in that, Innocent. And I said, yeah, yeah you're, you're, you know, we're all playing, we're English, and you're sort of playing a kind of English, kind of British. And he said, yes, I watched all the films of Noel Coward. I thought that was, you know, Noel Coward, most of you will know, but some of you won't. Uh, was a great British writer who spoke very like that, very clipped and very sorry. And obviously Johnny didn't speak <laughs> quite like that, but he wanted to be very precise. And um, no, there's something I couldn't tell you on the podcast, but he <laughs> and Michael Gambon conspired to do a terrible thing. We had to confront a dead body at one, at one point, and the body was dead, but it made a certain noise, mm. thanks to something they both engineered on the takes. And we had to look horrified and terrified. That was hard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Before we go, I wanted to ask one more question. Um, do you have a favorite line that the emperor's like that he says out of out of all of them? Is there one that's like your favorite? You want me? To, you want me to do it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's very subtle, isn't he? Yes. Very. Yes. Yes. Do it. Yes. <laughs> 
my favorite, my favorite of yours is "So Be It." To Jedi. Jedi, yes. That one is <laughs> just yes. Contempt was his strong suit, and also I, I remember when I got the script first of all, and I got the word "friends." I thought, oh, that's a word that will fill him with, you know. He thinks friends are the worst thing you can have because you rely on them, you know, and it's to do with affection and love, all the things that he was incapable <laughs> of. So I thought that's a good word to twist up, twist up with contempt, to is a friend. Yes. The sort of the worst possible thing that you could have, which of course is absolutely untrue. <laughs> Ian, thank yeah. you so much for joining us on the podcast stage today. Come down here, see him um, there Saturday and Sunday. He's signing autographs, taking photo ops. Come down here to the Wilson County State Fair at ICCC. Ian, thank you again for joining thank us. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. It's been an honor. Yes. It's been a great pleasure. Nice to talk to you all. Thank you. Thank you, sir.